It's Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022, and this is Talk Commerce. B2B commerce is complex and getting real-time data from your ERP is important and crucial. We interview Michael Shipris with Santa Commerce. We learn how Santa ties directly to your SAP or Microsoft Dynamics ERP. He explains how it is helping companies worldwide achieve e-commerce success in the B2B space. Michael has been working in the B2B e-commerce space for more than 20 years and leads a company of more than 500 fantastic people around the world with all their own unique talents. You can hear the passion that Michael has for his business and his employees. This is a great episode that illustrates a lot of the complexities in B2B and how Santa Commerce can help your company succeed in the B2B space. Have you been enjoying your free jokes on these podcasts? Well, let me just tell you that the jokes aren't free. They take time and effort to come up with them. Please go to wherever you download your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, and rate and review this episode. It will help so much to increase the awareness of talk commerce. Again, wherever you download your podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you. And now, your free joke. A teacher walks into a bar and says, Can I have a beer? The barman says, I don't know. Can you? (laughs) My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Mikael Shipras. He is the CEO of Santa Commerce. Mikael, go ahead and introduce yourself Tell us one of your passions in life and and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Brent, thanks for having me. Yeah, one of my passions, I just recently started to pick up padel tennis. You know what I mean? It's, you know what it is? It's yeah. becoming pretty popular. It's coming from Spain, but it's something that I really enjoyed doing recently, also, although not yet really good at it, but it's starting to grow as a passion. That's great. And so your day-to-day role, you're the CEO of Santa Commerce. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, so we are in the B2B e-commerce space now for 14, almost 15 years. So I would say we're pretty early on discovering the need for B2B companies to have something different when it comes to e-commerce. We started around 2007 and today we're over 500 people, teams around the world. And our business passion is to help B2B companies go online. And before that, I was running an e-commerce agency. And we were helping a lot of retailers sell online. But around 2007, we got more in touch with wholesale distribution manufacturing companies. And at that point, we were helping them. We tried to help them with the same e-commerce solutions that we helped, that we use for retailers. But the first one, two, three, four, five projects failed. And we didn't know why, because we were always successful with, with commerce. But then we figured out that B2B companies actually need something else. But that's what we have been doing for over 14 years now. It has been very exciting to see all these B2B companies really grow and really catch up to all these uh, retailers that are already for many years doing such a fantastic job on the web. 
I've also been in the e-commerce space since 2009, something like that, with Magento mainly, but now with other platforms. And definitely B2B clients have taken a long time to adopt the e-commerce model in their business. Maybe tell us yeah. some of the differences that you've found between the retail, direct-to-consumer, and B2B. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the reason why that is, I always felt like these B2C companies really got a lot of pressure from their customers. They said, if you don't have a web store or a good, nice-looking web store, then I'll go somewhere else. And I think in B2B, that's a little bit different, right? A lot of these business customers, they really depend on their supplier. So it's not easy for them to switch. And therefore, I think they have been more patient, I think that is with B2B companies that are not as fast to adopt e-commerce solutions. And yeah, talking about the differences, I, there are a lot. It's very different. And I think a lot of people are overlooking that or under, how do you say that? How do you say that? Looking, they're looking for no, the, features that aren't on the platform. No, or? I'm just saying that a lot of people don't understand how complex B2B is. They look at B2C, they look at B2B and say, hey, it's pretty similar because it's in the end of the day, it's a transaction. And I think that's uh, oversimplified because for B2B companies, the transaction is a lot more complex than for B2C companies. And, uh, and I'll give you an example. If you or me, we go to Amazon, we buy a book. It's very straightforward. We get probably get the same price. It's a product that's probably available in stock. We pay directly with credit card. It's, it's done. With B2B, that's different, right? Probably as a B2B buyer, I have pre-negotiated prices. I buy big volumes of products. I get tier discounts. I get volume discounts at the end of the year. Maybe I get refunds or something based on how many products I order, how much I spent. You can have very complex VAT calculations. My order might even trigger a production order where it's made to order. I can have my own customized products that I'm buying. So what I'm trying to say is that the B2B transactions are way more complex than B2C. And I think a lot of people didn't really understand it. Even some B2B companies didn't understand themselves actually how complex B2B buying and B2B selling was, especially if you want to do it online. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the platforms, too, were slow to adopt. I don't think Shopify has a viable B2B solution still. And some of the other platforms have taken, only in a number of years, have they started adopting some of those B2B practices. So I think yeah. you're right. There is a gap between what is needed in that market and what is provided in the market. Yeah. Where does your platform fit in from a, a size level? Is it geared towards enterprise clients or is it geared for the entire spectrum? Yeah, it's geared for the entire spectrum. So we serve really small companies, but also multi-billion dollar companies. Yeah, we, we serve both around the world actually quite well. And that's, I think, because of our focus. We have always been focused on the B2B business case. And uh, I think that makes all the difference. Uh, typically, if you look at all the bigger e-commerce platforms, they grew up serving retailers, B2C business cases. And uh, later on, they said, oh, we see the opportunity with B2B. They added B2B features. If you start building your product with a certain use case in mind, it's not that easy to pivot, I think, especially cause given the, the, my point earlier that B2B and B2C are so different because the transactions are different, but also the relationships are very different. I think the relationship that you and me have with Amazon is very different than what a B2B buyer will have with their supplier that he might buy from on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. And they might even know the names of the people that work there and vice versa. And they have built up a relationship over many years. And throughout these years, they have made all sorts of agreements. And like I said, on tailor-made pro products at, at such. So there's, 
in B2B so much more complexity and such a different relationship that it's, I think, also looking at e-commerce, it's hard for a B2C platform to pivot and be very good at B2B as well. Tell us a little bit more about Santa Commerce. Is It's a SaaS platform. Clients are connecting via APIs. Yeah, absolutely. The key difference with Santa Commerce compared to almost all other e-commerce platforms in the world is that we, with our APIs, we go directly to the ERP system, to the database of the ERP system. So instead of going through an interface where you will basically synchronize some information from the ERP system to the e-commerce solution and vice versa, we go directly into the ERP system. That's what we call ERP integration. Although I think a lot of companies that do these interfaces will call it ERP integration. But and in this way, we have two major benefits. One is that we can get all the information from the ERP system and not just the information that goes through the interface. And second is we always know that the information is accurate because it's coming straight to the, from the source. That's an approach as a, if you're writing your own software and you have the ability to do that from the code level, that, that gives you the advantage as a merchant to have that more, I guess, we'll call it a more close integration. And you also don't depend on a third party being up. In case somebody went down, I can remember a time where we had a very high volume client and they had an interface that we were going to go to. And they, and I said, All right, we're going to get tens and tens of thousands of orders and they said no we're, we're our system won't go down and sure enough their system went down because of the interface the middleware and just from yeah. a technical standpoint to, to let the listeners know that this not a you're what you're saying is it's a direct integration let's say one road delete, leads directly to the other where the typical the new typical setup for a SaaS integration is a hub and spoke where you're going to a central place and then it's connecting again to the final destination so you have a sort of a pass through and you're now also dependent on that pass through yeah. uh, so maybe tell us a little bit more about that and how that helps maybe in speed and reliability yeah yeah good point and to give you an example if you're in you're using a Sanacommerce web store and you're putting products in your basket, then in real time, the ERP system is calculating the basket, not the e-commerce solution. So all the business rules, the discount rules, whether or not a product is available, the VAT rules are all being directly calculated in the ERP system. And the e-commerce platform is just showing the output of that. So that's very different. So it's not, it's where normally an e-commerce system would do all the calculation, process the order, and then send it to the ERP system where it's being processed once again. With us, if you, with the Santa Commerce web store, if you put process order, directly it's being processes, processed in the ERP system. So you can have no issues afterwards where you're saying, hey, this put in the order, but we cannot accept it for some reason or there are rounding errors, those kind of things that you typically have when you connect an ERP system to an e-commerce solution. And for B2C, that's not that relevant. For, for B2B, that's super relevant because you've got all these complexity around this order. And that's the nice thing about ERP systems is that they're very good at handling this complexity when it comes to pricing or availability of product. So yes, it also has to do with what you mentioned, reliability. You want your online customer or as a B2B company, you want your online customer to know that they can rely on the information that they see on the web store. And uh, with SantaCommerce, there's no chance that the, that information is not accurate because it's coming straight from the source. I know there has been traditional struggles from the B2B side when adopting e-commerce besides the age of a lot of B2B owners. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are some of the other struggles for adoption of B2B in, in the 
in trying to get online and sell stuff? I think the biggest struggle is that companies that finally say, okay, we want to invest in, in online, that they, they do not directly get the concept of ERP integration. So they can set up an e-commerce solution connected to the ERP system, but not have the reliability that their customers are expecting from them. Because then normally their customers would call and they would have somebody on the phone. This person is looking at the ERP system and has all the information on this customer in front of them. So it can speak about them and say, hey, what did you order last week, last month, last year, two years ago? Oh, you ordered this. Oh, I need to have a spare part for that. And the person on the phone is, has all that direct access, has all the information, can really support this online customer in whatever he or she wants to buy. Now, so if you go online, this customer wants to have all the information available as well in the same way. But if you don't have that direct integration, you only have a subset of the information. So you might only have the orders that, are, that you place through the web store. You will not have all the orders from five years ago that are only in your ERP system if you don't have that closed integration, as you call it. So what happens as an online customer, you go to the web store, you don't see that previous order data, for instance, or other information that you would like to have and what do you do? You pick up the phone again and you say, oh, I don't want to work with the web store anymore because it doesn't have that information. It's not as complete as the person I get on the phone in terms of the information that, that, that I get provided with. And it's not as accurate or reliable as it should be. And that's then you see what happens. Then they pick up the phone again. Then they will not adopt the web store. And then we speak to the company says, oh, e-commerce doesn't work for us. Our customers don't like it. And it's not true. I think there are very few people these days that prefer to pick up the phone over doing self-service on the internet. However, if you want to do self-service on the internet, you want to know that, the, that you can trust the information that is there and that you have all the information that you need. Otherwise, it will not work. So I think that's the biggest struggle for companies. If they, they don't start with the right setup in place, that they will, their customers will not fully embrace it and they will conclude that e-commerce is not working for them. And we heard that time and time again. So I think that's really a big deal. And I understand because a lot of companies, of course, if, you, if I would be a wholesale distribution manufacturing company and I want to buy an e-commerce solution, probably I'll go online, I'll Google e-commerce solutions, I'll see Magento and Shopify and all the big players and say, oh, probably these solutions are great, so I need to have one of those. But I think they have to look one, two more steps deeper and see what's the nature of my business, what is my core infrastructure that I have in place, Typically for these companies, it's the ERP system. And then start thinking from there and say, okay, how do I take that information that I have there and take it to the web? Yeah, no, that's, that's great points. And I think a lot of, you know, I'll pick on Shopify a little bit. A lot of, and they, they have such a huge marketing budget that CEOs of companies typically say, oh, they're selling online. Let's just set up a Shopify store, not realizing A, that there's going to be a ton of things that they need and we could go into a feature list that b2b has that that a typical d2c doesn't have and then b that they're going to run into all kinds of fees and performance issues and all the things that aren't typical in your d2c store and your direct-to-consumer store where are more typical in a b2b store i'll name one of them i know that we talked about reordering or the volume of an order in your typical B2B shopping cart, you could have a thousand line items in it, where in your typical D2C, you're going to have 
10 at the most or something like that. Your shopping cart has to be robust to handle that. Maybe speak to some of those constraints that people encounter when trying to adopt a B or D to C store in a B2B environment. Yeah, I like the example of reorder, right? Like I said, you might have placed an order a couple of weeks or months or even years ago and you want to reorder that then and you want to th- do that through your online web store, you need to be able to access that previous order through the web store. And what I love about the European integration is also that, okay, you placed the order or you want to place it reorder, you can also look it up, call with a sales rep, ask them to adjust the order. And in real time, you can see on your screen that the order is being changed because, changed because it goes directly to the ERP system to check that information. And you can on the fly approve the order, for instance. So you have this, because you're all looking at the same information with this close ERP integration, you can really collaborate in such a way that is pretty unique, I would say. And there are, there are many more examples where if you have that philosophy and that approach of close ERP integration, as you called it earlier, that for B2B customers that it that there are so many more benefits and they will also lead to higher adoption so it's not just i think in the features it's really also from my perspective in the fundamental setup of your business and your e-commerce environment yeah and i think you've i think that erp integration too is important if you think about some a lot of b2b customers or a lot of b2b merchants might have a million SKUs and most retail e-commerce platforms are not going to be able to handle that volume or even manage that volume. So I guess it sounds like what you're saying is through that really close-knit ERP integration, it's much easier to manage all those SKUs when you're using your platform. Yeah. And of course, there are also downsides, right? Your information in your ERP system needs to be clean, right? If you make a big mess of your ERP system, then you open it up to your customers, then they can see that mess, that's not how it should be. So you need to have your ERP system and your data and your ERP system in order. But once you have that, it's fantastic that you can just make it available to your online customer. And it's almost like they're working in your ERP system, but then in a much more user-friendly user interface. And then also, of course, only seeing the information that is relevant and, and accessible to them. Maybe talk a little bit about configurability. I know that some SaaS platforms have the downside of only being configurable to what the other thousands of people are doing on it. How do you manage configurability within your platform? Yeah, good question. And it's a hot topic indeed. But what we typically do is we, just like we leverage the ERP system for all the complexities around pricing and availability of product and a lot of other things. We also leverage the functionality of CPQ tooling, for instance. So we integrate with that tooling to do the complexity of, to handle the complexity of product configuration if it becomes really complex. And then we take the output of that and we say, okay, now you can process that order in your shopping basket. But we just provide the visual interface, whereas all the... um, Complexity is being done by third-party tools. And what about language and tax? I know that certainly it's harder for Europeans sometimes to come to the U.S. and vice versa. U.S. go to because the way tax is done here is completely different. In a wholesale market in the U.S., nobody would ever pay tax. In yep. I know in Europe with that, you would typically charge on that tax and get a credit. 
maybe yeah. talk to some of those complexities around tax. Yeah, for us, we love complexity. And why is that? Because typically this complexity for business has already been solved. And then we just leverage what they have used to create to manage that complexity. So for instance, with taxes, typically, I think a lot of our customers in the US use Avalara for calculating taxes. And then we just use the output of that to show it in a web store. Either it's in the ERP system or it's third-party integrations like Avalara. So in a sense, SanaCommerce is a pretty straightforward solution because we don't create a lot of extra complexity. We leverage the complexity that customers already have in place. So I love to speak with prospects that have a very complex business, maybe because they work with best before dates and all the complexity that comes with that. We don't care. We They already have systems in place that manage that complexity and we'll just take the output of those processes and we'll just show them in the web, show, show those in the web store. So we tend to keep it simple because we don't have to recreate any of that complexity that the customer already has. And just a little bit about complexity and workflows. You mentioned a couple of times that you're taking a lot of this from the ERP and ERP may have specific workflows on say, who's going to approve something. Are you adopting all those workflows into the e-commerce system as well for if a buyer has to get an approval from another member of their team or even teams working together and then pooling their orders? Maybe speak to that. Yeah, good example. That's indeed functionality that we have within SANA. So within SANA, you can set up these business rules of who can order what and who has which authorities. So that's functionality that we provide. However, if business has already set that up in their ERP system, we can also leverage that. We, so we got a bit of both. The same with product enrichment. If a customer manages that from the ERP system or they have a PIM system in place where they manages their product catalog, then they can use that. That's fine. If they don't, we also offer functionality in Santa Commerce to manage product enrichment. So we can go, basically go both ways. We touched on the idea of the amount of SKUs. Is there a sort of upper limit that you would want to attempt to do? Or is it open to SKU count and open to categories and things like that? Yeah, no, there's not directly a limit. I, I don't know if there will be. At some point in IT, there's always a limit, but we typically don't stick to a limit. Of course, if there are more SKUs, we always need to do a bit more work, a bit more testing, some tweaking and tuning on the caching side. And of course, we, the company need, need to be able with their ERP system to manage certain volumes. Because if we process an order, like I said, it gets directly processed in the ERP system typically. It's also good to stress test the ERP system on the amount of transactions that it can process within a certain time window. Typically in our experience in B2B, you don't have these, in our experience, at least the type of customers that we have, these uh, crazy, uh, what is it, what is it, Black Friday uh, events, you have less of that in B2B. So typically these spikes are a little bit less there compared to B2C. I said earlier that maybe the larger, the more performance issues would be around skew count and even skew count in the cart rather than getting slammed with thousands of orders all at once. Yeah. And no, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no. And in terms of SKUs, I, there, yeah, like I said, there's always, if there are large SKUs with lots of attributes and complex search, of course, you need to do extra work. But we, I think we have yet to encounter our limitations there. Um, just talking about attributes and limitations, one problem that I've seen in the Magento world is the ability to create as many attributes as you want 
and to create as many varchar attributes or text-based attributes as you want. And in the, I think in the SKU management world, there should be some restrictions on that. Like the advantage of some SaaS platforms is that you don't give the user so many choices. And because mm -hmm. of that, it helps them to manage their store better. Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with somebody that wants to set up hundreds of attributes and may decide I want to have 200 attributes that are all text-based? Yeah. Yeah. For every new customer, we provide what we call hand-holding services. So we will guide them through the process of setting up their web store. So there's consultancy involved. And once we see that they're not making, when they are planning to make decisions that will be unfavorable for the performance of the website, of course, we'll advise and we'll talk to them and make sure that they will not create too many attributes that will limit their search performance, for instance, or their navigation performance. But typically, that's how we do it. So it's more in-person guidance and consultancy around that. Some of the buzzwords out in the market today are around headless and API first. How are you positioned in that? Yeah, I think just like any other platform, we say, okay, we're headless and that's true. We can function with without our SANA hat, so to speak. That being said, it's not something that among our client base is the highest ranking topic on their agenda, so to speak. So I know there's a lot of talk about it in the industry. Sometimes we discuss it with customers or prospects but it's not something that we are fully focused on because it's not the main topic for us at the moment. And do you find, this is just a general comment, that a lot of B2B clients just want to try to keep it somewhat simple, so having more of a monolith deployment of the application is sometimes easier than building it out into multiple microservices and PWA front end or something like that? Yeah, I can definitely relate to what you said. That more—that's also what we recognize. More and more B2B companies want to keep it simple. I think in general, more companies, when it comes to software and IT solutions, say, "Hey, we had this experience in the past where we had a lot of complexity, a lot of customizations, and now we want to have it much more simple." And that's definitely something where you can relate to. Like I said, we we have the advantage that we don't have to rebuild the complexity that they already have in the ERP system or potentially in other systems. That we can leverage that what they already have, and with that, we can keep things much more simple for them and much smaller applications. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Everybody wants some level of flexibility, of course, but I think in the flexibility that was a lot of people were speaking about with microservices, etc. I think it's for some companies, it's great if they have large IT teams that are managing all this complexity, but I see it more and more, at least among our customers and prospects, that they say, okay, well, we prefer to keep it simple. We got so many other applications in our landscape to manage if we can do something more simple in e-commerce, that they're really happy with that. Does that make sense? Do you see yeah, that as well? And I don't want to say it's simple. It's just it, maybe it's, it's, it's making the journey easier for both IT and thus the customer because you're not adding a bunch of subsystems that your main system is dependent on all these subsystems. And I know we did, in a sense, Avalara is a is a microservice, but it's also a microservice that's maintained by somebody else. So I think yeah. some of those complexities happen when your team has to maintain all those sub-microservices. And a lot of the API-only solutions for e-commerce nowadays require you to build out microservices to get any additional functionality. And that comes with a lot of complex or a lot of flexibility, but it also comes at a price, I think. And you need really large teams, I would say, to manage that properly.
Tell us a little bit about your team, about the Senate team, your, where you're based in the Netherlands. Tell us a little bit about the company. Yeah, sure. So we, like I said, we started 14 years ago and we have, certainly back then we had this niche approach. We said we're only going to work for B2B companies because there we saw a real need. And we built our product only for companies that either run on Microsoft Dynamics ERP system or an SAP ERP system. So with that, we are very focused and, like I said, a niche player. But then we said, okay, if if we're going to take this focus, we need to be a global player, right? Because otherwise our addressable market is too small in the Netherlands or even in Europe. So our headquarters is here in the Netherlands. We have another headquarters in New York. We have another office in Colombia. And we have offices in Germany, in the UK, in Dubai. And so we try to serve this customer that is B2B and running our Microsoft Dynamics or SAP around the world. And then we got our development centers in Sri Lanka, in Ukraine, and also a team in, in Medellin, in, in Colombia. So we're pretty spread out. We're, like I said, with around 500 people. We want to be close to our customers and our partners. We work a lot with the ERP vendors because they, of course, speak with the customers and prospects also about e-commerce and then bring us in. Yeah, so that's basically how we're currently organized. And what about your roadmap for other P platforms like NetSuite? Or- Currently, it's not on our roadmap. We're discussing it. We're thinking about it. But it's not directly on our roadmap. That's because we want to be the very best at what we do. So we constantly challenge ourselves. Is this the right time to also look at NetSuite? And we say we can be, again, a little bit better with our product for Microsoft Dynamics and SAP. And we got now about 1,500 customers. There are, we estimate around 100,000 customers, companies around the world that have SAP or Microsoft Dynamics and are in B2B. So we still, there's so much growth potential there that we said, okay, we first want to be better at that before we go into NetSuite. And from a IT side, what sort of technical knowledge does a, a merchant need to have to run your system? Not much, I would say. It's a visual designer, so you can create your web store as you want. Of course, you need to involve some of the IT people in the company to get the APIs up and running. But uh, like I said, we have these hand-holding services. So we re- we have done this already uh, more than a thousand times. So we can really guide the customers in what they have to do. And there are small things that they need to do. But in general, it's uh, not a lot of technical knowledge, I would say. And uh, SAP has a front-end solution. Do you compete a little bit with the SAP's front-end solution? Yeah, in a sense, we do. It goes a little bit back to what I said earlier. That solution, I believe, has been built in a very different setup to serve, I think, in the beginning, mostly retail customers. So it's a very different solution, more standalone. Sounds strange, because, but it has been an acquisition from SAP. So more standalone, and it can be connected to the SAP system. Whereas when we build our solution for SAP, we went a lot more into the ERP system itself, into the SAP system itself, and that allowed us to build this really deep integration. So yes, we compete, but typically if we speak to a prospect and we show how we work and what our philosophy and our approach is, they see that it's a very different approach and a very different way to to, to basically solve their e-commerce needs. Great. Yeah, Mikhail, thank you for being here today. As we close out the episode, I always give everybody a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you like to promote or plug today? Yeah, I think I just briefly mentioned that we got a team in Ukraine. So 130 of our 500 plus people are in Ukraine. And as we all know, they're in a pretty tough spot at the moment. Everybody listening, please support any way you can, either financially or through social media. Let yourself heard. I think it means a lot. And I think together, this as a world-based guy, I would say we, 
we need to do anything we can to support the people because it's, it's really tough what's going on there. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, and I'll just comment on that as well, that the, the world needs to stand up and talk about this. And the more misinformation that comes out of Russia, the more misinformation that's put out there. And I think the more we all stand up against that is going to be better. And I think, thank you for that. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the risks is that it fades away. And I think we need to continuously, even if it takes for a month, we need to continue to focus on it and make sure that we don't, that it doesn't, that we don't forget about it. Yeah. And I think, especially from a technical standpoint, it touches so many communities, Magento and Big Commerce and Sanus. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you for, again, for being here. Mike is the CEO of Sana Commerce, a B2B tightly ERP knit B2B commerce platform. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Brent. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been a pleasure to be your host today. Please sign up for our newsletter platforms at talk-commerce.com. Rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce wherever you download your podcasts. New shows out every week.